The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything's got to be about the future. It's got to be about tomorrow and bringing all that into focus as we, you know, attack the season. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. Today is Wednesday, May 18th. J.P. Shadrick with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks, Jaguars.com senior writer John Osier. Give us a listen, yes, on the podcast page. Imagine that at Jaguars.com or on the official Jaguars Podcast Network on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. John and Bucky, hello. How are we doing? What's up, John? How are you feeling? What's uh, I'm up? feeling great. I mean, uh, we had two days of rookie minicamp, which for me, you know, it's heaven. Vacation, Bahamas, and then rookie minicamp in that order. It's heaven for him, Bucky. The, the coverage was extensive. It was thorough. I could tell that there was a lot of thought and uh, contemplation put in that. I, I loved the fact that you were out there dealing with the elements and stuff. I was able to get pictures to back up to bring the words to life. It was very compelling. Very compelling. I felt like I was right there. I felt like I was right in the 904. A lot, I'm of, not, a lot I, of observations, yes. I'm not criticizing the concept of rookie minicamp. My point on this is however, it, it, it's important for the people involved with it, for the teaching that goes on, for the reality of what we do, which is to observe. Uh, I, I get that Bucky's the scout, and he could probably see things that we don't see. But for the purpose of trying to observe – you can walk out there. You can see if they can run. You can see if they're big. You can see if they look strong. But a rookie, especially in this day and age, it's fine. You got to be there. You talk to them. But to think you're actually evaluating anything is, you know. Well, I, I would say this, Bucky. Apparently, they did evaluate some things because they signed four tryout players from the camp over the weekend. So that means see they're evaluating they're, something. Darts at a board. Always, always evaluating. Every opportunity is an opportunity to impress somebody. And so what I liked about what I heard from the practices, there were individual sessions, a lot of individual work because you guys got on me about, hey, you know, we can't compete, no team or whatever. So a lot of individual drill work. You get a chance to see you guys. You get a chance to see if they move. The number one thing in rookie minicamp, you want to see if the guys belong. Does anyone look out of place? Um, is anything different from what, you thought they would be based on how you evaluated them on film and the workouts. Did you put them out there? Did they look like NFL caliber players? If they can look the part, that gives them a chance. And so as long as there didn't appear to be any egregious misses when it came to the draftees, it's a fairly successful minicamp. The only news you can get is bad news in rookie minicamp. Yeah. We've seen that. Yeah. We've now, seen that. again, I was really impressed with Trayvon Walker. Oh, I mean, he looks at 6'5", 272. He's all of that. But yeah, I probably would have been impressed had I seen him out, out front. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. didn't have to be on the field to be impressed by him. So, but uh, he's really impressive on the field. What was impressive about Trayvon, that was an unpadded practice. When you watched him, you weren't sure because he looked like he had unpads. He's that. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's that impressive. He's strapped. It's legit. Yeah, he's strapped. Yeah. He's taller than um, I thought he was, Bucky. I'll be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't realize he was that tall. Yeah, I got a chance to see some of the clips from him going around the bags like uh, they were doing like a little pass rush drill, and he's attacking the dummy, the dummy that has the ball, 
kind of the thing, the tomahawk chalk, and I'm just looking at the length that he uh, that he has. And I also can understand just in watching the movement skills, the little blurbs that I had a chance to see, I can see why scouts would be fascinated by him because he looks exactly how you want him to look. Like if he if we're getting off the bus and he's the first one off the bus, you're like, yep, that's how they're supposed to look. And so, um, you know, a lot of be made about like the, the production and the sack production and those things. But if he's available, if he's disruptive and uh, helps the defense play at a much better level than they played in the past couple of years, look, man, it'd be well worth the pick. I agree. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I also like the uh, Devin Lloyd debut this past weekend. On the field, you you know what he is. You know his resume at Utah. But then you get to talk to him a little more extensively in a media session and hear about his already working with Josh Allen and uh, Dewan Smoot off to the side on his own before he even mm-hmm. shows up for rookie minicamp. That, that tells you his head's in the right place. And then you hear this guy talk. And, I mean, he could be – John, you've said it a, few, a, a number of times. He can be a star in this marketplace. Uh, and then, obviously, on the field, too, he can do some great Oh, things. I think he'd be a star in any marketplace. I, I, I kind of went with this marketplace because he had said Duval on draft night, and that was really cool and really <laughs> fun. Uh, look, I'll always defer to Bucky on this guy because Bucky was writing about him for the website two weeks before the draft and ranking him higher than any other linebacker in the draft uh, period, regardless of edge, off the ball, whatever. Uh, he, much like the other four, and I'm referring to four, the two-round three guys, two-round one guys, uh, very impressive people to talk to. Uh Trayvon Walker was impressive. I mean, he's mm-hmm. not going to be Devin Lloyd in terms of being the dynamic guy that gets on stage and yells Duval. He's not going to uh, probably embrace fans when he sees them. And you know, I, mean, I live in Springfield, and Devin Lloyd was over at an ice cream shop in Springfield the other day and taking pictures. I mean, he, he's a man of the people, and, and he loves that. I don't think Trayvon Walker is going to be quite that outgoing. Different personality. It's okay. But to listen to all four of these guys, uh, Fortner, Muma, Walker, and mm-hmm. uh, Lloyd, they're impressive kids, and I, I get weary of the cliche, they love ball. You, know, you hear that all the time. Bucky loves that, along with Swiss Army Knife, you know, that they love yeah, ball. But I do love the, it. These guys, you can tell in their personality, they want it. They want to be here. They want to be a part of it. You can see why a new coach, new regime – would want this group as part of their core. So on that front, you do get a lot out of rookie minicamp, and I like these guys personality-wise. They look like guys who, if they don't succeed, it won't be because they didn't put forth all the effort to do it. Yeah, no, I I think the big part of it, uh, when you're trying to rebuild a team and the organization, you want to make sure that you bring the right kinds of guys in. Uh, What is the old business book, uh, Good to Great, Jim Collins talks about, you got to get the who right before you can do the what. So you got to get the right people on the bus before you can figure out where we're going. And so when you think about those guys and the character, the football character that they exhibit and the intelligence, the toughness that you see, um, the the kind of passion that comes out in terms of like how much football means to them, how they prioritize it, those are the things that you want. And whether they can play or not, you can – feel good 
with the draft pick, knowing that at least they got the right kind of guys, the kind that, look, it means a lot to them. They can pour into it. They can try and do everything in their power to kind of maximize their talents. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, you can live with it because at least you did the research. At least you tried to bring in the right kinds of people into the organization. And if you get the, enough of the right kind of people, the team will turn around and the turnaround will be felt immediately because everyone is pulling the boat in the same direction. Well, every draft pick to a degree is a crapshoot. I mean, you can say what you want about a dead solid lock. Every draft pick has an element of risk because you don't know how they're going to play against the league. So having that character on that front, uh, I always say the draft is a percentage game. Having that, knowing that they will maximize their ability, reduces your risk. So uh, I'm always all for guys who are good guys when they come in, enthusiastic, uh, you know, they just got to package that with being able to uh, punch a guy in the mouth. Yeah, that's what you want. You want some guys that are relentless. Uh, we hear about it all the time in sports. You want guys who have dog mentality, you know, like they're tough. They give great effort. There's a little bit of relentlessness about them. I know that that little phrase like made J.O. I like smile. It. He likes that. I like dog that. He likes that. I like the dog mentality. But, yeah, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for people that um, come in and it means a lot to them. Um, they, they want to play at a high level, and they're prideful. They're prideful in their performance. And so this class, man, I really, really like. I really like those guys. Look, I'm an unabashed uh, Devin Lloyd fan, but, look, my affinity for him is matched by my affinity for Muma and what he brings. And I think from a defensive standpoint – Trayvon Walker, if you put him in the right position to play to his strengths, I think those three guys would be foundational pieces for a defense that is good for a long time. I had a question for the scout here. Oh, good idea. Question for the scout. Um, And it feels like we've been over this a lot, but a podcast is a long-form content, JP. We can can go over whatever you want. Um, Tell me again, Bucky, how you see Muma and Lloyd – both being able to contribute, uh, why do they work together? How can they work? Because I get it. We've talked about it. But that's still the question that I get over and over and over again. Do they draft the same player? Uh, you know, do you draft one guy's backup? Uh, I don't think so, but you're better at explaining that than I am. Stylistically, they're different players. Uh, Devin Lloyd is more of um, a hybrid player that can come off the edge while also being an off-the-ball linebacker. Um, He's not the same stylistically, but Devin Lloyd can do some of the Michael Parsons stuff, meaning that he can blitz from the second level, he can play in space and cover, he can come off the edge if you need him to and be a stand-up rusher in sub-packages and situations and get to the quarterback. And the great thing about him is he has production on paper that backs up those things that show up on tape. So when you watch him move around and you watch how Utah used him, his production shows that, man, this is a guy that can do a bunch of different things and can do it at a high level. Muma is uh, what I call a new-school linebacker that has all the traits that you have to have to play at a high level in this league now as an off-the-ball linebacker. Um, He has outstanding instincts, diagnostic skills, great communicator, high IQ. Uh, You watch him play, he gets his hands on the ball in the passing game. He rarely misses tackles as a sideline-to-sideline defender. He is, um, I think he can play well, but he's a perfect Mike linebacker. 
I think in a perfect situation where we're looking at the new uh, three linebackers, Devin Lloyd is a Sam linebacker, strong side linebacker that can sometimes come down hand, come down and maybe you walk him over to tight end, can be heavy handed. Sometimes you walk him and let him do his thing. Uh, I think Muma can play Mike and even play Will. You know, and I, <laughs> like the reason addition is just another good player. And I think what, what happens is draft philosophy, they always talk about take the best player available. And then what you do is when you take the best player available in every round, it gives you an opportunity to have a team full of really good players. And then it's on the coaches to figure out, okay, how do we get all these pieces? How we, how we put these guys on the field? What kind of packaging can we create? What, what do we do? Do we now play maybe uh, a 2-4-5 defense where we have 2-D linemen on the field, four linebackers moving around and roving uh, to, to maximize the speed and the talent that we have? Do we do 3-3-5s? Three, three, there are a number of combinations, but what you want to do is put your best guys on the field. And so the first thing is get a bunch of good guys and then figure it out later. And that could change week to week, sure. right? I mean, depending on the opponent, you're going to play a different mm-hmm. brand of defense against the Titans with Derrick Henry than you are uh, against the Chiefs. Yeah, it can change. And a lot of it depends on what the guys can handle uh, when it comes to uh, how much of the playbook can they pick up? How do the coaches give them the playbook? Do they make it where all of a sudden we now look at a defense that operates utilizing what we call snowflake game plans, where each and every week is a different plan? It's not the same defense. Uh, We don't see them line up in a 4-3, cover 2, and play that from today into the cows come home. Maybe one week they're more of a 4-3 team. The next week they're a 3-4 team. The week after that they play primarily in a variety of nickel packages. That might be the way that they go down. But, you know, the better the players, the more flexibility you have and the more creativity the defense coordinator can kind of bring to the table. I, I for one, JP, I, I am worn out on there being so many good players around here. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that's why I'm mad about the Muma picks. We've had too many of them. Uh, right. so, so, uh-huh. That's been a problem for these coaching staff for uh, for decades. Is you know figuring out where to put good players. Well, I think uh, so. Here's the thing: like the, the best, the last time we saw a really good defense and a really good team was 2017. Look at the linebackers that was that were on that squad and how they utilized them, Telvin and Jack and Paz. Like they they found a way to utilize the talents and they put them on the field. I think. You could have a similar situation. I'm not saying that they're going to recreate Saxonville because I still think we're lacking a little bit when, from the pass rush aspect. But that defense had a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism, and a lot of versatility, and they were able to use that to their advantage. I remember, JP, on that 2017 team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Dante Fowler, I don't know that he really had a true position on that team. You know, it, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I guess he was a starter, not really over Jan. You know, what I mean, like they're really well. I mean, except for when he did. <laughs> except but, for that one yeah, time. Yeah. yeah, but he really didn't. You look back, he really didn't have a role per se. But he had ten sacks and forced a bunch of fumbles, and he wasn't the best player on that defense. But he was but good he enough. Sure mattered. Good enough to find a place yeah. for him. Aaron Colvin was the nickel, you know, and mm-hmm. played some. You know, so uh, I'm into what Bucky's saying. I mean, it, it's when you. I've never known a team in the NFL to, have, to whine about having too many guys who could play. So, certainly haven't known it around here. No. So, I, to me, the Muma pick was a huge step in the right direction philosophically. 
for that reason. Yeah, no, yeah, I, th- I think I think it, it, it will pay dividends down the line. This is a really good player, man. I, I hate to keep comparing him to his former teammate Logan Wilson and what Logan Wilson has been able to do for the Cincinnati Bengals, but you have to compare him because stylistically, man, they play so similarly in terms of the way that they control the middle of the field, the way they're able to play in coverage, the way they get their hands on the ball, and they make a ton of disruptive plays. Muma strikes me as the same kind of player, and what was impressive, and I know sometimes like this stuff can be for show, but how quickly he wanted to dive into the playbook, how he wanted the playbook right away, and how he wanted ownership, and how uh, I think Balky was the one that mentioned, hey, he's a green dot player. And people have to understand, the green dot player is the one who makes all the calls. He's the one that communicates with the coaches. He has the uh, mic and the earpiece in the helmet. He's the traffic cop. And for him to want to embrace that and to do what he's always done, to me, that makes it easy. Because if he does become that, then it frees up the other guys to just focusing on playing. And that allows them to play fast. That allows them to play free. And hopefully it leads to a bunch of plays, a bunch of splash plays. This is the Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, John Ozier, and Bucky Brooks. And a dog in the background. Bucky, what's uh, what's the, the lay of the land with the uh, the dog situation? You know right what that now? dog has? That dog has a dog so, mentality. Dog mentality over there. <laughs> Dog mentality. So that that might be Luna, but I don't know if that's Luna or if that's Parmesan, because Parmesan is the dog next door. And so sometimes they get to going. And so today, I think you have the gardeners running around, people all over the place. So Bucky yeah, has a gardener, I, I JP. Wow. Must be okay, nice. Well, yeah, that's uh, OK. <laughs> hey, Bucky, how's the gardener doing? How about that? I didn't say How it was big my is your garden? garden? I didn't say it was my garden. Oh, I well, just said there's a gardener you, running around next door. You know who has a gardener? Not Somebody who gardener. would name their dog Parmesan. How yeah, about well, that? That's fair. <laughs> that's, and that's not my dog. Luna is my dog. Parmesan is the neighbor's dog. Yeah. We'll come back in a moment. Uh, a hiring for general manager Trent Balky in the personnel department and a look ahead to organize team activities. The Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 22. Join us at the bank this season. Plenty of great home games in Jacksonville as head coach Doug Peterson and quarterback Trevor Lawrence lead the charge. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. More after this. Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Books, John Ozier. The Dailies play schedule is red hot. Big time rush. Lumineers last night. They're playing again tonight on Wednesday at Daly's Place. May 20th, that's Friday, I believe. Sting will be here. May 22nd, Chicago. June 4th, the Jacksonville Taco and Margarita Festival. Tickets and information at dailysplace.com. Sting on Friday, Buck. Sting's on Friday, but I want to know about the Taco and Margarita thing. What was the date on that? June 4th. Okay, it might might be a trip. You might have, have to make to, it. You might have to come in and, and check can. out OTAs, huh? It's a Saturday, and then I <laughs> yeah, think, yeah, check out OTAs. See if we can find a little spot down at the beach. You know, make sure, make sure I get a chance <laughs> to see that and get some tacos and some margaritas. You know, <laughs> and then maybe a little football <laughs> on top of that, huh? Okay, good. I mean, yeah, like that. By the way, too, yeah, we're gonna have all that at day. So might as well just do it all at the stadium. Come check it out because I think there's an open media OTA that next Monday or Tuesday, I believe. So you know, let's hope so. Yeah. Oh, full weekend. Yeah, that's the full weekend. Get a full weekend, get all that, and then to come back on Monday and see what's going on. I like it. I, I don't know how you'll be able to handle all that schedule, uh, Buck. I hear Sting staying for the for, uh, for the taco night. Oh, really? <laughs> 
couple weeks he's around, uh, around town. Yeah. He's moving it around. <laughs> he's a big taco yeah. guy. Oh, Is he? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, um, hey, there was a hiring in the personnel department earlier this week. In fact, I think uh, today, on Wednesday, they announced that the Jaguars hired Ethan Waugh as assistant general manager. He was with Trent Baalke out in San Francisco. He was the VP of player personnel of the 49ers the last uh, year or so. He was the director of college scouting and football systems for the team as well. What do you know about Waugh, Bucky? Well, obviously, like Trent Baalke wants to surround himself with guys who look at the game through similar eyes. And so Waugh comes from San Francisco. We understand the success that the Niners have had. This is a team that has gone to the Super Bowl. Um, they've put together rosters that everyone around the league would certainly say are among the most talented in the league. And so you get another guy who understands what uh, championship caliber football looks like. And so because he has a relationship with Trent, that should help those guys work in lockstep to make sure that they fortify the roster with enough uh, what we call blue chip players to give the Jaguars a chance. And so as we kind of look at this from a long-term vision, for the Jaguars to be able to play at a championship level, you have to have 10 to 12 blue-chip players, players that you would consider top five, top ten at their respective positions. And so you have to have guys in the building that know what that looks like and can find a way to acquire that kind of talent. All right. Ethan Waugh joining the team. Um, now, hey, we didn't ask you, Bucky. We haven't had you since the schedule came out. That came out on Thursday. What would you think of the Jaguars' schedule? Well, I mean, I like the schedule. Um you know, like yesterday, I got a little bit of a debate on uh, Total Access with Willie McGinnis because we were breaking down the Colts' schedule. And early in the season, the Jaguars play them twice within the first eight games. Yep. You know, and so I was like, oh, two dubs for Jacksonville right there, considering the matchup and the robbery and all that other stuff. Yeah, you, so, don't, you don't come into Jacksonville right. if you're the Colts. I mean, it, it's been no. a while, okay? Yeah, so they can talk about it being a thing. But, no, I feel, I feel good about it. Look, obviously, there's some tough games. It's a tough slate, but um, it's about getting the quarterback up and going. If you get Trevor Lawrence up and going with the veteran receivers and those things, if the offense can jump and begin to score some points and do some stuff, it's about building momentum. And so, look, got to attack the first quarter of the season and see where we, where we stand, but hopefully you just get better and better over the course of the year and you feel good about the results at the end. I think it's an intriguing schedule. We talked about it a lot, a lot, a lot last week, but – Four out of the first six on the road. Yeah, those two home games are against, I believe, Houston and the Colts. Mm-hmm. You better get those. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it, it sets up. Uh, I'm not a big believer that you truly know schedule difficulty until about five or six weeks in because the league changes so much now. But logistically, to me, this is a tough schedule because of the four six away early. And then four or five away late, uh, you know, it, it's uh, those are the elements that make it tricky to me. And then you've got November staring at you, which history tells you that the Chiefs and the Ravens, which are in that group, they don't really go up and down. Even when the Ravens, even last year when they struggled, they're they're never an easy out. They're still the Ravens. So I. I think it's I I think it's really tough, and I think it's really important for them to get off to. They play the first eight games. They have one postseason team from the, the correct. From I, I think it's tied for the the second right. in the league of easiest schedule 
from yeah. last year's wins losses right. over the first eight games. But, but mm-hmm. does that matter for this? But the problem with know. that stat is you have one out of eight postseason teams from last year. Yeah. Three of the ones that didn't make it are the Colts, Colts, and Chargers. Yeah. Well, you know. That's, those are good teams. I would, I would have said last year, I test, there were ten long stretches where they seemed like postseason teams to me. So, it's the NFL, Buck. It ain't supposed to be easy. No, it's supposed to be easy, but I think you could make, like, look, they start out with Washington. And Washington has a quarterback that has struggled against the team. That's a win. Quarterback we'll go ahead also. and give you a, a dub for that one. He's locking a, it down. He's locking a W. Okay, yeah. Bucky. Yeah. So then we get the Colts coming to Jacksonville. Automatic. Which is their house of horrors. Automatic. So, so right now we're looking at maybe a 2-0 start. Good start. What you got next? Yeah, didn't get a chance to, get a chance to come to the neighborhood. Get a chance to come to L.A. Mm-hmm. You want some, some tacos? I get you some fish tacos out this way. All right. You know, celebrate a little bit, but – that's going to be a tough one. The Eagles will be tough in week four because the running game is a little complex uh, with Jalen Hurts and those things. That can be a rough one. Texans, we owe them from last year. They will play the Colts again. So if you think about the Ferguson games, there might be some wins pop up. And if you get some, Doug gets the team playing well. Then you got the Giants. Then we go to Wembley and we play the Broncos. And everyone is talking about how good the Broncos are going to be, but I don't know how good they're going to be. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. Russell is there, but I don't know how great the rest of the team is. I'm just saying that if you get a chance to start out fast and just win a couple of games, a couple of games, get a little momentum, start feeling good, who knows? You, Do the Cincinnati bingo thing. You know what I just heard there was 6-2 and two in the first eight. That's what I heard come out of your mouth. 6-2. and two. Uh, six and two. Let's go. Uh, here's here's where I go. I go Washington. I go Colts. We'll split with the Colts. Texans. So that's three. That's three and three. Mm-hmm. Giants. That's four. I, I think we can get four out of the first yeah. eight. Okay. Yeah, four and four. That's what I was sort of thinking. An amazing, an amazing. I mean, I, I think they have a shot at four and four. I think it, the schedule sets up that they should be competing. They're playing well, yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't get that. Now think about the, the seventeen team. Just go back a little bit. They were three and three, and they were fighting early in the year. And then all of a sure. sudden, they caught fire late. Yeah. It was a December schedule. They got going. Blake was playing great. That was, you know, my what experience in the league, which unfortunately is is going on twenty eight years. Typically, these conversations, the schedule, especially, I mean, <laughs> I'll couch this by saying, I was going to say, you never know how the season's going to go. Well, for the Jaguars of late, you. You have sort of known because <laughs> it's gone bad. But when a team is good, uh, more times than not, everything that you talk about before the season, you rip it up once you're three games in and, yep. and you're fighting through it. The stretch that you thought was going to be, quote, easy, you lose one and then you run off. I mean, it's week to week. Yeah. So uh, the amazing Charger stat to me, everybody talks about – certain teams that give teams problems. Mm-hmm. The Jaguars' last five games out there, out west against San Diego, they've lost by 18 points a game. Whew. They have gotten throttled by the Chargers out there. And now it's over a long period of time, I feel like, but uh, I, I, they've never won out there, and they have gotten handled. So, okay. well, Mike, McCur- well, all right. uh, Mike McCoy's here yeah, now, well, so we got that. Well, we do have the McCoy fan. Well, Good guy, Mike McCoy. All right. Well, well, John, you know what you just did? You just you just ruined the post game 
spread that I was going to lay out for us in L.A. So now if we're going to do anything, we need to be in a celebratory mood before the game. So we have to eat before the game. We can't eat after the game because you talking about 18 point losses every time we venture out to L.A. Like that's not going to be a lot of fun Yeah, I mean, to get you early. Again, I, I sort of go back to sometimes with the Jags over the last 10 years, those stats, you can throw them out about a lot of <laughs> a lot of opponents. So, you know, but the Chargers, for one, have been a, a, a tough matchup. But going out west has been tough for this team. So it's sort of the same stat, if you will. Going a lot of places. So the one, thing, yeah, the one thing that's interesting is coming back the London trip and then playing a game, not getting the bye. I know people sometimes trip off of that. They play the Broncos, then come right back and play the Raiders. Um, they play the Raiders early, as you like. John, everything's at one o'clock with the exception of one game. <laughs> one like game. But like everything is early. The only right? year we've had Sunlight. the bye. I mean the only year we haven't had the bye after London was seventeen. Yeah, that's right. They went up to New York, they lost that game. But they you know, and actually Doug Peterson requested that, Bucky. They they the Jaguars had the chance to say, Hey, we want the bye after right after that game. Coach Peterson said, You know what? No, we we want it we don't want the bye that early. We'd like it a little bit later. And it worked out where they have two games immediately after London and then the bye week. So a little later bye, and that's Coach Peterson. I think as thing. long as you get the home game the next week. I did think the year that they had them fly back and then go to New York, uh, that seemed it's a lot, yeah. like a lot. It's a lot. I was leapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all about John. It's all about John. We want to make sure John's. Fresh and ready to go. Maybe, maybe we can uh, get you on that infrared massage table. Get you hydrated. Get you recovered. Get you fully ready. Make sure you're you're ready post post London international game trip. I'm a big, I'm big on on hydration, JP. Cupping that's John's thing. Yeah. I think all that. Yeah, stuff. we got to get you cupped. Everything. <laughs> foam roller. Make sure make sure John takes the foam roller on the flight. Gotta make sure you roll pre and post. If I if I I have a foam roller, if if I walk through the aisle of the plane and John Osier's laying in the aisle rolling his leg out, (laughs) that's it. I'm done here. I have a foam roller, but I do admit it's very dusty. Yeah, we make sure we get you right before we go over to Wembley. Take on Russell. All those guys. All right. Final thoughts here on the Huddle Up podcast. OTAs start next week. Final week of phase two this week. They're running out on the field. No helmets. Super individual. They're doing some things. That's fine. And then next week it's OTAs. So um, 10 OTA practices in a three-week span. No pads except knee and elbow, and helmets are allowed. Uh, There's no live contact. You can do 7-on-7, 9-on-7, and 11-on-11, but no live contact and only six hours a day permitted. So here we go, Bucky. OTAs finally here next week. Well, one thing that I certainly hope you guys will do is, because I think it's very important, um, because I'm not there, I hope you're tracking completions and and big plays and all that stuff during those open media sessions because that stuff really matters. I really want to see efficient rate and all of that. So let's make sure we're, we're staying up to date with that since we got a little teamwork, a little competitive, little competitive period, 11-on-11, uh, 11 11, 9-on-7, and 1-on-1s. That is important, John. So make sure you have the, uh, the pencil and the pad right there. Keep me updated. How are you with dealing with disappointment, Buck? Because, because you're probably going to be disappointed. At, I, I, I'm not big on, on, on the completions during OTAs. I am big on the eye test during OTAs. Uh-huh. Uh, 
if you're us, and I assume you'll be in for one because you know it's the oh, Bucky Brooks Network. Uh, what are you looking to nope. see out of Trevor? Uh, from OTAs, uh, by the end of OTAs, what do you want to see that would make you feel good about it? Okay, it's going to sound this because we talked about not tracking completions. But, John, you've been around high-level quarterbacks, and I'm sure when you spent your time with the Colts, there were days when you watched Peyton Manning, the ball didn't hit the ground. Yep. Um, there's a level of expectation. Having been around Doug, having kind of been raised in the same system with Coach Hunger, which was part of the Bill Walsh thing, it should be a point somewhere in the summertime in training camp where the ball shouldn't hit the ground. Like when we're in these periods, the ball should – Look, snap, ball goes to check down or whatever, but the ball should not hit the ground because then you're operating at a level of efficiency that looks like a championship-caliber team. And so you should get a sense that the team feels different because of the execution. The execution is at a high level. So by the end of the OTA period, I would like to see flashes of that where there are days where Trevor is, what, 20 of 22, and the ball just looks like he's just spraying it all over and everyone is getting touches. You see Zay Jones and Marvin Jones and Evan Ingram and maybe Travis Etienne, all those guys feeling like they're a part of the offense, even though it's in practice, because as those things happen in practice, they begin to translate to success in games. And so I would put the pressure on Trevor to see, hey, let's operate at a high level. You know, let's, let, let's see what it looks like. Let's move around drill to drill and kind of operate like a first-class um, organization. So it, yeah, looks, there, it looks like they made a turn. There are days where it ought to look easy. And sure. Yeah, that, that yep. makes a lot of sense. Yep. Uh, and uh, it may not be John out there keeping track of completions, but somebody out there will be, and there will be reports of that uh, throughout the at least the open. There's one open each week. I'll retweet it for you, Buck. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and – if you can snag some of them little snazzy videos that JP sometimes put out there, like who's who and what's what, like if there's like little sightings and stuff like that, like I, I like to get that information too. I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm following JP and you, but like I, sometimes I like this stuff personally. It makes me Have feel they, good when you guys send it to me directly. Did know? they cancel a bunch of flights to Just Jacksonville? Say, I, I mean, there's that? still an airport in, <laughs> in LA last I checked. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, but at the, at the open sessions, I don't know when the open sessions are. Like, I, you know, I like to be able to go and check it out. You see you me, not, hey, look, you see, see, me, see me the dates of the open sessions. I'll be right there. Hold on. The right Jaguars beside. don't have your email address. I'm sure you are on that chain. Plus, I have, no, JP, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a free website. But. Free website. You can check it out. Jaguars.com. The dates I'll, are on I'll there. Check it out. See if I can, I, <laughs> see if I can get, get the itinerary and stuff set, oh, set yeah. there, you know. Find me a spot with a little turndown service, you know, <laughs> chocolates on the pillow so I can get up and feel good about it, you know. Make sure you tell your gardener you're leaving for a few days. <laughs> make sure you board Parmesan. Look, <laughs> look, I'll make sure. Look, Parmesan, I will go. I'm going to go when, when we finish the pod. I'm going to go and walk over and make sure that Parmesan is okay because Parmesan is messing up Luna. Luna goes on the early morning walk and likes to sleep for most of the day when you have a little pit bull that, you know, they don't like to do a whole lot of expending energy. That's that's Luna. Luna doesn't want to expend a whole lot of energy. So Parmesan got her riled up, and now she'll sleep for the rest of the day. I like Luna as a dog's name. I got, I got a question, Parmesan. I, mean, <laughs> I, I know we're calling out Bucky's neighbor here, but that that's uh, hey, look, that's this, it's not the thing. Like like I, I don't know why Parmesan. Like that's not that's not popular. It's not really ferocious or no. anything like that. Like that's that's a tough one. Her dog's got some identity issues. 
Yeah. Luna, though. Luna, Luna goes and gets it. Dog mentality. Dog mentality. Dog mentality. You gotta have it. Dog mentality. You gotta have a dog mentality. We certainly have that here on the Huddle Up podcast. That'll do it for our show today. Our thanks to Joe Fortunato and for John Osier and Bucky Brooks. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next time on the Huddle Up podcast.